Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 5-1 Volleyball Podcast. As always, I'm Dan, and on this podcast, we're going to go over all the major storylines going on right now in men's professional volleyball. So if that's what you're interested in, you are in the right place. We've got a lot to talk about today, mainly the early season reactions, or I guess my early season reactions to what's going on in the various leagues early on, kind of, you know, two to four games in, depending on the league. Today, I'm going to focus on Italy, Poland, and Russia, in my opinion, the top three leagues in volleyball. So yeah, just kind of hopping everywhere. Not going to be too comprehensive, but hopefully we get some insight because I think there's a couple interesting things already going on in the season. Let's start with a bit of news. The list of the Club World Championship teams has been released, um, taking place in Brazil this time once again. They skipped last year, so it's a nice little tournament to have back, even if it's not particularly meaningful given how many European teams are left out of the competition. This year we have Funvic Tabate and Sada Cruzeiro, the top two teams in Brazil. We have UPCN San Juan from Argentina, even though pretty much every solid Argentinian player is playing in France or Italy right now. Then there's Fulan Surjan, the top-ranked team from Asia, I guess, from Iran. And normally the top Iran team is actually pretty stacked, but it seems like this club lost most of their strong players last year. So, yeah, probably going to be a pretty easy opponent. And then from Europe, we have Zaksa Kajos and Kojle and Trentino, the two finalists at the Super Finals. So, for me, definitely those two are the strongest teams. I think the top teams in Brazil are a little weaker right now than they have been in the past just to give you an idea of the skill levels of the teams on Santa Cruzera right now the only foreigner is Miguel Lopez who is great but usually they have you know a really strong guy like Gord Perrin or Taylor Sander to pair next to him and on Tabate it's Patrick Gassman nice American middle blocker but maybe not the elite player that you would expect of a top-ranked Brazil team and Luis Alien who you might remember from Modena guy who can bounce it out of the gym but still incredibly raw only 21 years old so I definitely expect Zax and Trentino get to those teams later on in the podcast to perform very well at this tournament, which starts December 7th. All right, let's move on to our first league I'm going to talk about today, and that is Italy. Only two games in, plus the Super Cup, which had, for me, a pretty surprising result. Trentino beating Perugia, then Monza in the final, so... I think a lot of people wrote off Trentino. They lost Giannelli. They lost Namir Abdelaziz. They lost some pretty good players here. They lost Lucarelli. Like, those are three of the best players at their respective positions, and they lost them. But early on, Trentino looks really good. They brought in Matej Kaziski, who's having a fantastic, fantastic season at age, I think, 37. I think he's the exact kind of player that will excel or, ha- or already is excelling later on in his career. He's an outside hitter, highly skilled, can pass well. And because he's so big, he's about six foot eight, six foot nine, he doesn't have to rely on his athleticism as much as a lot of other outside hitters would. He can still hit very well despite his less than prime hops. And actually, he, even now, he still looks pretty good jumping off the floor. He scored 21 points in the finals with 18 from Alessandro Micheletto, 16 from Daniele Lavia. Very efficient. from the team. So Trentino looking good early on and 2-0 in the regular season. I had them 5th or 6th in the power rankings before the season started. And I thought that was higher than a lot of people had them given all the players they lost. But it kind of looks like very early on, very early reaction that 
that might even be too low of a ranking for Trentino if they keep gelling like this. And great coaching by Lauren Zetti. Figuring out this nice rotation where he plays three outside hitters, Matej Kaziski, Daniele Lavia, Alessandro Micheletto. They mostly share passing responsibilities with Trentino passing with four for the most part. And also kind of have a fake opposite that goes for a pipe attack instead of a D-ball attack or C-ball attack. So it's kind of interesting coaching stuff. I always love those little wrinkles. And if you want to read a much better and more comprehensive analysis, check out Volleyball Reddit. Tommy Blizzard said it a lot better than I just explained it. So check that out. Another one from Italy. And I, you know, I kind of have to pat myself on the back here, guys. He's a player who I've been hyping up a lot. You know, I'm sorry, I, th I think I bring him up almost every podcast, but that's Rock Mozic killing it early on in this season, averaging six points per set on 52% efficiency. So like absurd Wilfredo Leon-esque numbers already. That's basically what Leon averaged in his best season, probably even less points. Obviously, I don't, I don't think he can probably keep that up the entire season. And Verona lost both of those games, so... Not all is rosy in Verona, but Rock Mozic, I thought he should have been given more of a chance during Eurovolley by the Slovenian national team, especially in that final match when they were kind of looking for other ways to score. But I'm really glad that he's got this opportunity, proving it in the biggest league in the world, doing a great job. The rest of the team needs to step it up because I think Verona should be competing for a playoff spot here. Another player that's had a very impressive start to the season, Turkish opposite Adis Lagumzija with his new club Piacenza, one of the few undefeated teams along with Perugia and Trentino in the regular season so far. And when I was watching Adis Legumzija the first couple matches, one thing kind of stuck out to me. He reminded me a lot of early Sveden Sokolov. Both are these big, bruising opposite hitters, very tall, very big, but also way more mobile in the air than their build would suggest. They both had success very early on in Italy, of course, Sveden Sokolov being a key part of those Trentino teams that won those Champions League in the early 2010s. And of course, the main sticking point is that they're both absurdly, absurdly good blockers for their positions. Adis Lekumzij is averaging 0.78 blocks per set so far very early on in the season. Of course, I have to qualify everything in this podcast with that. But still, to me, 0.78, if you can keep it above you know, 0.5, 0.6 per set, that would be an incredibly impressive number. And he's a player, you know, took it to a new level last season with Monza and now even taking it to another level, of course, benefiting, benefiting a lot from Antoine Brizard as well. And actually that 0.78 blocks would be higher than anyone in the league, including middle blockers, except for Sreko Lisenach, 1.29 for him. So far, nine kills in seven sets. One of the reasons why Trentino is succeeding so much, of course, Lisenach and Pedrashinen. We almost forgot about them with all the good players leaving Trentino, but they are performing very well for their Italian club. Last topic for Italy, I'll talk briefly about how Yuji Nishida has been doing because he's quite a divisive player. You know, a lot of hardcore fans thought he was too small, couldn't uh, compete in the Italian Super League where you're going against the world's best blocks every single match and everyone's game planning for you, probably even more so than they are in tournaments like the Vienna World Championships. However, I was pretty high on Mr. Nishida. I think a lot of his game would translate from Japan and from the international scene. Serving is something that is completely translatable across all levels of volleyball and Yuji Nishida 
is one of the world's best servers. So early on, he is excelling at that, averaging 0.87 aces per set. Unfortunately, the other stuff hasn't been quite as smooth sailing for Yuji Nishida, only averaging four and a half points on a pretty bad 33% efficiency. I expect that to improve as the connection with Davide Seda improves. I think there's still been a lot of plays where he looks a bit out of position in the air, doesn't have it exactly where he wants it. So that certainly will improve. 33% is pretty bad, but if you can get that up to like 40, 41 and continue with 0.87 aces per set, like somewhere around there, he's still gonna be an extremely valuable player. All right, now let's go to Poland. We're a little bit farther in this league. Four or five games for most of the teams completed. First topic we're gonna to cover, Urosz Kovacevic. It's nice to see him back in a European club team with Zavierci. Again, it was a bit surprising that Zavierci was able to get him and Facundo Conte. But so far, it looks like a very good call with the team going 3-1 and one so far. Kovacevic scoring 5.5 points per set, per set on 52% attack percentage. So pretty good numbers from Kovacevic there. Two MVPs already on the season as well. Another guy with two MVPs who I want to talk about is Clement Boul. Finally, Rosovia looks like it actually has a pretty good team. They always look like they have this great, great collection of talent, as we mentioned on the preview podcast, but aren't quite able to put it together. Still very early on, obviously, but like in the past season when they start 0-7, 0-8, that can torpedo a season really quickly. So at least they're staying out of that kind of trouble. And with Rosovia, we're seeing kind of a similar strategy as Slovenia used with Clement Chebul in the VNL, going to him as their pretty much number one option, which it worked well for Slovenia and it's working very well for Rosovia. Two MVPs for Chebul, five points per set on 57% attack percentage, which is very high. Well done so far. And again, a lot of, you know, you don't need to run it fast for Chebul either. You don't need to run this like really tight offense. You kind of just give him a loopy semi-high ball pass to position four where he, that's his bread and butter, the position four semi-high ball and he, he just goes to work. He has a few different attacking angles he can use. He has a nice tip. He's very block aware. So well done for Chebul. Too bad he couldn't do this type of performance in the European Championship Finals. Our last topic for Poland is another opposite who we were kind of questioning what his level would be coming into the season, and that's Alexander Atanasevich with Skra. On surface level, the scoring actually looks pretty good for Atanasevich, 4.5 points per set. However, when you look at the efficiency, or even the attack percentage isn't even that bad, 47% attack percentage. However, he is getting a ton of blocked hits, attacking errors, unforced errors. Those are killer. He has 33 errors already on the season, meaning he has attack efficiency of only 27%. So that's a pretty big gap. It's clear that Scraw, you know, doesn't really see themselves as having any other option than to, I guess, force Atanasevich to hit a ton of balls. And when you watch him play, it's not like he can, looks completely washed up. He looks all right out there. However, definitely a lot less, I don't know, in tune, precise than he used to be. It was one of his best assets is that he was really good at finding, the, getting the ball away from blockers and defenders. Skra is sitting at three and one right now. So despite Atanasevich's struggles, they're actually playing pretty well. And I actually think, you know, Skra can be a, quite a dangerous team still, the core they have with Biniak, Abadapur, Lomash, Kloch, Dick Coy isn't playing too badly. So guys, just imagine what this team would have been like with Taylor Sander, who, you know, in fairness, looks like he's having Quite a bit of fun out on the uh, four-man tournament hosted by the McKibben brothers. 
Last league, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm going to talk about briefly here. Russia, who's about four games into their season. First storyline I'm going to talk about is Micah Christensen and Zenit Kazan back on top. Look at that, 4-0 after a couple disappointing seasons for Zenit Kazan, although they weren't actually really that bad in the regular season most of the time, but quite a disappointing playoff exit during the last playoffs that saw them landing in the CV Cup instead of the Champions League for the first time in like forever. But this year, they have started out in the opposite direction, playing very well so far. Micah Christensen looking, making the whole team look really good. Bartosz Bednors, Maxi Mikhailov, and newcomer Dmitry Volkov all looking great for Zenit Kazan. I mean, it makes sense. Micah Christensen is just kind of the uh, best setter in the world, so it makes sense that he would help out there. Very easy schedules so far against four pretty easy teams. They won't get their real test until the sixth round of the tournament when they play Dynamo Moscow, then Senate St. Petersburg, then Lokomotiv Novosibirsk right in a row. So that's, for me, going to be the real test to see if the Zenit Kazan team is for real. The other interesting thing I noticed in the Russian league following it so far is the foreign opposites are playing quite well so far. Of course, I have to shout out first Vlad Babkovich, who I've been a fan of for a while. Got to see him play a bunch for Belarus during the European Championships, playing as an outside hitter over there, interestingly enough. But he's back to opposite, you know, for a guy who's like seven foot three, seven foot four, probably his natural position, um, scoring over six points per set on. 49% attack percentage, so not the super high attack percentage, but if you see where this guy is contacting the ball, I mean, if he can figure out how to really attack a block and make use of a block from up there, he is going to be like an absolutely devastating player. And right now, it almost seems to me like he forces a lot of tips and junk and stuff. It, sometimes it feels like he's almost afraid to hit, which is funny to say for someone who averages six points per set, but I think this year in Russia will be huge for him. And I mean, third in scoring in the league already. Great for Babkovich on Fekel Novi Urangoy. Another guy I want to shout out is Alan Souza. Fantastic Brazilian opposite who I think gets lost in the shuffle a little bit because of playing next to the Hall of Fame absolute legend at the opposite position, Wallace de Souza. But as we've seen in Brazil over the past few years, Alan Souza, no slouch himself. And he's continuing that to a very tough Russian league, averaging 5.08 points per set on 54 attack percentage, one of the highest marks in the league for a wing attacker. And lastly, Mohamed Al-Hachdadi, who had a good season with the Strebshi Vegil last year, of course, their legendary championship in Poland, beating the seemingly unbeatable Zaksikar Zuzhin Kozle, took the interest of a Russian team and makes sense. The Moroccan opposite is very big, very physical, six foot seven, but you know, probably like 230, pounds like he's a big guy and you need that kind of physical play when you're in Russia beating your body up playing against you know seven foot middle blockers pretty much every single night of the entire year. Belgrade overall after a pretty disappointing season last year seems to have figured it out a little bit more currently standing at two in two of course Pavel Tetyukin playing well for them as well and it feels like they really took the learning that happened last year kept you know a decent number of their players and now are looking more confident more comfortable especially Pavel, the young player. You could tell the extra year really helped. A few smaller ones here, Sveden Sokolov, struggling a bit, kind of like Alexander Tenasevich. He had a pretty tough summer schedule with the Bulgarian national team. I was wondering if he would even play with the team, but so far, you know, he's scoring a lot, 4.36, but only hitting 40% attack percentage, so not great there from Sokolov. Peter Krizmanovic is hitting a ridiculous 79% for Kuzbas Kemerovo. You know, I think he's underrated as one of the best attacking middle blockers in volleyball, and I think he's 
definitely lost out on quite a bit of recognition from playing behind Sveko Lizanac and Marko Podrashinen, two of like the best five middle blockers in the world for so many years. He would definitely be a more known name. And, you know, he even plays above those guys sometimes. That's that's how good Peter Krasmanovic is. And lastly, a little tidbit for the Canadian fans. Gord Parents staying in Russia this year, advancing to a team at the top of the table, Lokomotiv Novosibirsk, of course. Part of the reason why they're there is because of Gord Perrin. 4-0, haven't dropped any set so far. Same with Zanik Kazan. You know, I, I liked Lokomotiv Novosibirsk, and they are playing in the Champions League, League this year, which I am excited for. But I wouldn't have expected them to go 4-0 this early on. Gord Perrin, he's not the flashiest player, but I do think he's pretty underrated for me. You know, he's a pretty elite level outside hitter, does everything well, scoring very efficiently this year. 54 attack percentage, so doing well, getting some blocks, getting some aces, serving tough, or at least tougher than he did with the Canadian national team, unfortunately. Yeah, he's not the flashiest player, but he's, you know, very good defender for his size. He's a good server, great receiver, so yeah, it makes sense why he's such a big part of Novosibir's success. And, you know, hopefully he gets a little more recognition in the Champions League this year. Because I think he hasn't been in the Champions League maybe since he played in Rosovia. Speaking of Champions League, there's some early round matchups coming up. Some, you know, fairly high level volleyball, actually. Some good teams in there trying to grab those last two spots for the Champions League. Check out the CV YouTube channel, European Volleyball, if you want to catch a few of those games. Or Eurovolley.tv, of course. It's been great this year watching volleyball. You got volleyballworld.tv, eurovolley.tv. That pretty much covers most of the volleyball you wanted to watch. Of course, myself, I also subscribe to the Polish League and Russian League, but it's been easier to get into volleyball than ever before. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Talk to you next time, which will hopefully be a shorter, uh, shorter time than the three weeks between the last podcast and this podcast. Just to have volleyball in full swing here. So much to talk about, probably missed a million storylines trying to cover all of these leagues didn't even get to champions league really didn't even get into france or germany good stuff going on there but it's better than no volleyball at all that we had at the beginning of last season anyway see you guys we'll talk to you next time